Hi, this is Danielle Krissa from The Jealous Curator, and this is episode 159 of Art for Your Ear. My co-host today is one of the first art crushes I ever had. Philadelphia-based artist, illustrator, and teacher Martha Rich is here today, and I'm so happy that after that initial crush, almost 11 years ago, today I can call her my good friend. So I love asking Martha questions, mainly because her answers are usually really, really funny. She's also super smart and has a really inspiring attitude when it comes to life. You'll see what I mean when I ask her the questions that you guys sent in. In case you missed it, I asked my Instagram crowd to send in some questions, and you did. I picked five or six of them, some serious, some ridiculous, and then followed the whole thing up with a bunch of really dumb trivia questions, because listening to Martha talk herself through trivia questions is hilarious to me. And when you have your own podcast, you can make people do things to entertain you. (laughs) So before I jump into today's installment of, hey, here's something I was thinking about, I want to once again thank Thrive Art Studio for supporting the podcast. As I was getting ready to put this episode together, I thought, you know what, they're not really just a sponsor. They're more like a partner. Jamie and Tara, who run Thrive, are just as crazy as I am about supporting other artists. In fact, it's the sole purpose that Thrive started in the first place. And I'm so lucky that I've become friends with them. And to now have them involved in my podcast this way, well... I'm getting all mushy, and I should probably just tell you what Thrive is and how it works. Ready? Thrive supports female, genderqueer, and gender non-binary visual artists by providing the community and accountability that will help them achieve their goals. Members sign up for the Mastermind program for a year and meet monthly online with an intimate group of other artists to talk about the ups and downs of being an artist, setting goals, and then, of course, kicking some ass. Thrive's motto is, make art meet your people, and do the work. You can learn more about them at thriveartstudio.com and follow them on Instagram at thriveartstudio. Easy. So, here's something I was thinking about. What does it all mean? Pretty deep, right? Okay, well, it's not that deep. In this situation, what I mean by what does it mean is what do your marks, colors, and image choices mean? Yep, visual vocabulary. Last week, Penny Lane Shen and I talked about this a little bit, and a few of you sent me emails with follow-up questions, so you guessed it, this has been on my mind all week. Oh, the other thing Penny mentioned was bringing meaning to your work, even work that you might consider to just be, quote, pretty work. The thing is, there's meaning and reason behind that seemingly only pretty work, too, because you made it for a reason. Maybe you don't really know what that reason is, so that's what I want to talk about today. Sitting down and figuring out why you do what you do, why you choose the color palettes that perhaps you just instinctively choose, but you don't really think about. After finishing art school and then living in my parents' basement for a year while I figured out what the hell I should do with my life, I became a graphic designer. I did that for a really long time, and one of the biggest things that I learned and then pass on to the designers who worked for me when I was a creative director, was make sure every visual decision you make has a purpose. In the case of corporate advertising and design, this is really important because when a client says, "Mm, I don't really like pink, instead of feeling like a deer in headlights and being pressured to change it to their favorite color, say lavender, you can say, ah, the reason I chose pink is because X, Y, and Z. It's much harder to argue with you that way. 
Now, for some unknown reason, once I left advertising and started making my own art again, I completely forgot this rule <laughs> that I had lived by in the ad world. I have no idea why I would not have retained that. Anyway, I didn't. And I struggled for a really long time about what I should make, what it should be about. And spoiler alert, almost none of the decisions I was making had purpose. Until about four or five years ago. By that time, I'd learned a lot. Thanks to writing posts about other artists every day for years. Because of interviewing hundreds of artists for my books. And because of talking to so many of you at events around the world. In that pile of goodness, there are three standout moments that made me realize I had to apply that rule from my design days onto my personal work. First, I had Kirsten Lamb, an artist based in Rhode Island, on the podcast. That was episode number 54. Whoa, that's over 100 episodes ago. Um, Kirsten is very organized and academic. Well, I think so anyway. And she was the first artist I talked to in person who mentioned having a list, an actual list, of her visual vocabulary. Now, as an avid list maker, my heart started racing. I'm not kidding. I was actually super excited. Her work is inspired by Dutch Vanitas, but with a modern twist. In Kirsten's still life, still life there are cakes, skulls, meat, and pinup girls, just to name a few random items. But each of those categories of things represents something personal to her. And she has them on a list. I almost hung up on her so I could start my own list that very second. But I didn't, though, because that would be rude. So, when I got off the call, did I make my list? N no. Again, I think at that time I was in a stage in my own art practice where I wasn't even sure why I was doing the things I was doing. But at least now I was starting to wonder about my instinctive choices. The second thing that happened was that I let Penny Lane into my house. <laughs> Scary, but a very important step in actually taking my work seriously. She bluntly asked me about a lot of my choices, and unlike Danielle the creative director, Danielle the artist did not have very many answers. I knew I liked that it was fun and funny. I liked the negative space and the bright colors but that's as far as it went. Why can't it just be fun and pretty? It can, she said. <laughs> but she also pointed out there's probably a lot more meaning behind my choices if I actually thought about it. And as usual, she was right. We have all lived a unique life. Your experiences and memories, good or bad, are truly uniquely yours. There are moments along the way that have planted different bits of meaning in our heads, whether we realize their importance or not. This is where visual vocabulary comes in. My list was the third important part to this story. Yeah, I finally got out a fancy notebook and made a big old list when I was in Venice for the first time in 2017. I'd been thinking about Kirsten's interview on the podcast for about a year and Penny had been for her studio visit a couple of months before my trip, so it was all very top of mind. The real catalyst, though, was my inner critic. I'm normally pretty good at putting him in the corner while I work, but at the Venice Biennale, well, he was my plus one to every event. The work in Venice is insane. People bring their A-game, and as a spectator, it's unbelievable. As an artist... Well, for me as an artist at that stage in my practice, it was soul-crushing. <laughs> I 
I hadn't felt like that in a really long time about other artists' work. But wandering through the Biennale that year shook me. Everything was so grand and smart and thought through. And all I could think was, man, my little 8 by 10 paper collages are so pointless. I was getting art school flashbacks. Now, the old Danielle would have just dropped her paintbrush into the Grand Canal. But the new Danielle, the Danielle that has written books about blocks and inner critics, and runs around the world telling all of you to keep creating, thought, yeah, no, I can't quit. (laughs) Instead, I decided that it was time to make my list. I ordered a tiny but insanely strong coffee and a chocolate-filled croissant, sat in a cafe by the Grand Canal, and tried really hard not to cry. Before I started the visual vocabulary list, I decided to just write and write and write, stream of consciousness, a throwback to morning pages that I used to write religiously after reading The Artist's Way. You know what that is, and if you don't, go Google it, because it's amazing. I wrote about my confusion, my frustration, about the fact that, wait a second, my work was important, to me anyway. It wasn't pointless. It mattered and I wrote down why it mattered. I also decided that if I was so thoroughly impressed by the installations and large works at the Biennale, then why not push my work in that direction? I get to decide what I make, so I'm not confined to eight by 10 pieces of paper. I can do whatever the hell I want. And then the list started to form. I wrote down all of the colors I use over and over, and then quickly asked myself what each one made me think of. Not deep thoughts at that moment, just quick connections. Pink instantly makes me think of my grandmother, Blanche. When she was dying of cancer, she was in and out of consciousness. And about a week before she died, she was suddenly very lucid, and she sat up and she said, I just saw my spirit. It's pink. My mom was with her, and she tried to calm her down a bit. But my Grammy said again, you have to know this. It's pink. Watch for me in pink. Since then, all sorts of strange pink-related things have happened, and so, of course, pink has made its way into my work. This was totally subconscious, though, because she died when I was about 25, and I didn't really start making art again until I was close to 40. So, you see, the use of pink was just instinct. Until I really gave myself this moment, and a super strong coffee, I hadn't even realized why I used it so much. I also had to pull off a few band-aids and think about some not-so-pleasant memories. Sitting there by the Grand Canal, I did cry a tiny bit, when I figured out that using large fields of black paint took me right back to art school. I used a lot of black in my last year of school because I'd been told to remove all of the humor from my work. I didn't know how to make the dark, deep, conceptual work that they wanted me to be making, so I just used a shitload of black paint and hoped that that would do the trick. (laughs) Again, I tucked that little color story away in the back corner of my brain until, of course, the list got written on this particular day in Italy. If you go back through your memory banks, your associations with different colors and materials will, of course, be different than anyone else's. Why all that navy blue? What's your deal with yellow? Ooh, and mark making, too. Megan Hildebrand, a Canadian painter who I love, was also talking about her visual vocabulary in the podcast. I think it was um, episode 97. For Megan, it's the types of marks that she makes that have different meanings. Little upside-down Vs and hash marks that she uses repeatedly, both of which have personal meanings to her. Some artists, like Mando Marie, 
uses a little girl and a bunch of rosy cheek ghosts in almost all of her pieces. Again, those are not random choices. They represent personal stories to her. I use Queen Elizabeth all the time, and I've now realized after writing the list, it's because she actually looks a lot like my grandmother. Also, my Grammy loved fashion, and so she wore a lot of the same styles that Liz used to wear. So, now it's over to you. You may already know what your visual vocabulary consists of and why, or you might not. I want to challenge you to truly stop and think about it. Write it down. Paint a color-coded chart. Make a whole sketchbook that is dedicated to figuring this out. Just imagine how thrilled major museums are going to be when they come across this historical artifact when you're a famous and long-dead artist. Hey, you never know. It could happen, and they'll be thankful. Okay, I'm done for today. Let's go ask Martha some of your questions. I am calling this segment, Ask Martha. It's like Dear Abby, but not at all like Dear Abby. Now, if you don't know who Dear Abby is, well, then you're too young. And I bet mom jeans actually look good on you. Anywho, let's jump right into this call with my amazing friend, Philadelphia artist, Martha Rich. Let's just start because... Okay. We're just starting. <laughs> Everyone, we've just had... That was four... That was almost an hour of te technical difficulties. 42 minutes. 42 minutes. And I am sick and you are tired. And <laughs> so that's what's happening. <laughs> Let's just do True. it. True. It's all happening. Okay. So Martha, here's the thing. First of all, I love that I feel like I don't need to catch up with you because I just saw you last week in Palm Springs and Joshua Tree. I know. That's never the case with us. It's always like, oh, it's been so long. But, and it hasn't. It's been a week. I know. And I want to kind of go back to Palm Springs. That was nice. And I sat in a jacuzzi with Prosecco. I saw that picture and I thought, that's how you do it. I know. It was really good. <sighs> okay. Well, so we're going to, you actually haven't been on the podcast in a while. So yeah. we're going to just do a quick little catch up about what you've been doing because you've been doing five trillion things. And then for, for you, because I always like asking you questions because you have really weird answers. So we're going to do a Q&A that questions I have gathered from my people. I put it out on Instagram and people sent us questions. And then I also, um, because I find it entertaining, have trivia questions for you. <laughs> okay. Because I just, just, I just like entertain me, Martha. That's what, what it's come down to. Okay. okay. So first Try. things first, you you just had a book come out. I did. Let's, it's really talk, cool. let's talk about that because it's fantastic. Well, it's it's a book, but it's a it's a journal. It's it's not like I didn't write like hundreds of pages of words like you did, but it's um, it's drawings and exercises to get your rage out. Yes, because I feel like there's a lot of anger going on right now. There is. And um, have you actually, like, is the notebook working for you or are you still filled with rage? <laughs> I'm still filled with it, but. <laughs> you have to get till November 2020, then you might feel better. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. We'll no. um, I use it. I use my own book because it's, you know, I mean, I'm pretty good about getting getting out my stuff and using it productively, but um it's helping me because I can just go in there and draw in my own pictures. Although it is kind of weird because it looks like what is already there. 
I know. That's really, it's actually really funny. Yeah. <laughs> are, you, are you documenting what you're doing in there? You better. I haven't yet because I just, I've only done a little bit because I've been so busy, but there was one day I was just like, I can't take this. I've got to write in my book. And I think <laughs> I took a picture of it and I'm going to document once things calm down a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You've been very busy. So yeah, the other thing, so we said goodbye in um, California and then you flew home and started working on a mural at the airport in Philadelphia. Did. did you even leave the airport or did you just like land, no, st- start the mural? You went home. I went home a little bit of time. I went home for like a weekend or no, like a few, I don't even know what day it is anymore. Um, yeah, I went home and I went to sleep. <laughs> Good for you. It was all the Prosecco and sunshine. But I think you only went home for one day, Martha, because you. I did. I think I did too. Yeah. I came yeah. home for one day and then I started on, I came home Tuesday. I took, I didn't do anything Wednesday. And then um, Thursday I started painting the mural oh, or maybe yeah. I did do something. I, went, I just don't even, it's all blurring together. So is the mural done now? No, I have a half day. I'm going in on Monday okay. to finish it up. Wow. Well, so. see, now I have to, now I have to come to Philadelphia. So I have to go through, which terminal is it? Did you say? It, it's in terminal F which is pretty much the farthest terminal away from probably where you would fly in. Oh. Coming from, like, it's the terminal where it goes to the little cities. It's oh, like it's like a little, little domestic. Place. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you'll be going, well, some of them go to, they go to Montreal from there. Oh, okay. But not, not your side of Canada. Well, yeah, and I'm not really willing to, I'm sorry. I'll walk over to the to the F terminal to look. I but I'm not going to fly all over the place just to get to that terminal. No, and it, but it's like a mile. It's like the longest airport. <laughs> <laughs> Although there is a shuttle from the C terminal to the F terminal, so you could do that. Well, see, it'll be worth it for people. They've gone all that way, and then an original Martha Rich surrounding I also the corner. Have a- custom painted cornhole game in that area too. It's basically, they're doing all these murals. It's an empty gate that they're turning into kind of a place where um, like if you have a long layover, you can kind of hang out and there's going to be beanbag chairs and cornhole games and just to hang out. Yeah. And it's really bright and kind of a plain, you know, just plain looking airport terminal. Yeah. Well, not anymore. I know. Yeah, it's job. a pop of color. Yep, it sure is. I've seen. I've been watching you um, documented as you go, and I'm like, oh my god, when does this woman sleep? Um, and speaking of not sleeping, how? So we were just in that show together. It's still up, everybody in Joshua yep. Tree at Hey There Projects. Um, but how many pieces did you put in that show? I Do you even know? Hundred and something. A hundred? Maybe. I didn't. I don't know. I because I. I had I had about ninety, and then I made a bunch of extras at the last minute. So it's probably like hundred and twenty. Good lord! I think. Yeah. You know how many I had? Eight. <laughs> I know. <but laughs> yours are beautiful. Sorry, yours. You know, it's it was such a fun wall, and now I have I have two. Now I have my girl tuna and my mouth, and um, they're in my studio right now. I have to figure out. I don't think I want them in my studio. I think I want them in my living room. I want them to be a star attraction. All right. Yeah. Cool. I know. I love them. And I came home and Charlotte. I have yours in my living room. You do? The, yeah. the cactus one? The Wait, it's the lady. Yeah. It's isn't like the, a, isn't it succulents or something? I think so. I can't remember. That's some remember. sort of vegetation and naked ladies. There's a naked lady is what you remember about it. Yeah. <laughs> that was in my, that was in my um, vintage playboy um days and charlie was about six or seven when i was working on those and i remember he came in 
and I didn't have a studio at the time. So I just had like all these naked ladies cut out all over the dining room table. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, six or seven, very formative age for a young man. And he walks in, he yeah. just looks at all of it and he goes, mommy, your art is weird. <laughs> he just walked back. It's <laughs> like, well, I, well, yes, it is. Um, but I, I'm glad you have that one. I, li I like that little series. Um, okay, what else are you working on? So five zillion and a million pieces of art murals. Your book is done. Have you, what, what I'm, doing. Do? I'm actually, I'm kind of winding down. Um, I'm going, you know what I'm going to work on? I'm going to clean my studio. Oh, that'll be nice. But I have to finish the mural first. Okay. And then, then I have to send a few more speech bubbles to Hey There because they sold a couple of them twice. So uh -huh. I'm doing a doing a re repeat that was mark todd's fault yeah. but it's okay yeah mark <laughs> we're calling mark out at least he makes good biscuits very good biscuits yeah. yeah and then um i'm going on vacation on wednesday and i'm so excited and then i'm going to come back and i'm going to clean my studio and figure out what i'm going to do with the rest of my life <laughs> <laughs> so you know that that might mean saying no to the occasional thing right yeah but it's it's hard i know to say no. No, it's the freelance life. You just never, it's feast or famine. Like, and then you never know, like you never know when the next famine's coming. So you just say yes to everything and then you're a crazy person. Yep. Yeah. Oh, I am working on some licensing products with the Mincing Mockingbird. But oh, that's not yeah. the next That's right. And you know, actually that was quite a few, that, that kind of came up a lot. People had questions about for you, like about um, sort of passive income things and like illustration jobs and stuff so that, you know, because I, I do love that um, artists aren't all just like all they sell is their fine art and that's how they make their living. Like I like that there's a, you know, and you're a perfect example of that. There's a hustle, like you do illustration jobs, you do murals, you do book deals, you do it, lots of things that sort of add up to a salary. And lots yeah. of people had questions about that. It's, um, it's, a, it's a, I it, it I don't know if it fits everybody's personality, but I really like that I have a different, I don't do the same thing over and over again. And then when I, like I've made so many speech bubbles that I'm going to stop for a while because I just can't do it. And I'm going to try to figure out what the next thing is. And I've had such an organic career. Like everything is sort of just led to something else. And it wasn't, I didn't have like this five-year plan. Yeah. Um, I just started making things and you know, one thing good will happen. And then that thing turns into something else. And it, it, it's been, um, like a living, breathing, I don't know what. Yeah. You what? know, and I think that's important for people to know, like you and you kind of have to be able to roll with that and not be panicked. And, and I that took a long time. I panicked yeah. a lot. I've panicked a lot. Yeah. So it wasn't easy. It wasn't like a straightforward, straight path. And I definitely have had some moments where I was going to quit and I would go over to my friend's house and cry and they'd be like, just keep going. Um, and then I'd be like, no, I'm going to get a job and I'm going <laughs> to never do this again. Nobody wants to, you know, I, I definitely had, I had more of those years than I've had of the non, right. the non panic years. But right now I'm in a non panic mode. Yeah. Do you but think sure a lot of that comes from like the work that you're doing with Blue Q, for example, because it gives you, there is some passive income there. So it kind of like you can breathe a little bit. Yeah, that's there. They're, I'm so glad that I work with them. They're one of the, the best companies and people that I've ever had the pleasure of working. And I, I they, they still like me, I hope. Um, 
and it, there it's been a really really amazing experience to work with them and that has helped lessen the panic yeah and i, I think i asked I know you thing lasts forever so right i'm all trying to plan and figure out what the next thing is going to be yeah I think when we were driving around the desert, I actually asked you um, how the Blue Q thing came about. Did did they reach out to you or did you reach out to them? Um, I believe that I sent them postcards like early on when I first got out of school mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. just kind of consistently sent them stuff. And, you know, other people I know would work with them. And it just I don't know how I don't know if they came to me or if I, I think it's just a little bit they became aware of me. And maybe I, th- I made one thing. Later on, after like many years of not hearing from them, I made one thing that they liked and they were like, oh, that's when they got in touch. Was that the but cat? Stop talking still, cat? No, it was a pattern I did. Um, it was after grad school. I did this. I was, it, it was in the dreary winter months of Philadelphia where it's gray <laughs> and gross and you're just like, <laughs> you know, spring's just around the corner. And I painted, I was like, I got to paint something flower. So I painted these sort of, they almost look like Matissean flowers. Oh, yes, I know them, yep. And I posted that up and they liked it, but they thought that that would make a good bag. And then it just kind of went from there. Yeah. Yeah. See, and that's what what I really admire about you, though, is that you just, um, you're feisty. (laughs) Annoying. Yeah, annoying. No, you just keep showing up. And I do really admire you. Like the fact that, you know, your speech bubbles, people love them, whatever. And you're like, I'm done for now. Like not forever, but like instead of being like, okay, I I just, it's speech bubbles 24 seven. I like Uh that you're like, you know what? No. And I was actually talking with Andy J Pizza about this the other day about if you go full whole hog on on one thing, like your passion or whatever, you're going to burn out. And it's so much better if you can kind of move around. And we were talking about that when we were together that, that you're thinking, you know, you want to go back and play around with paper for a little while. Yeah. Cut paper. Yeah. And, and it's just great to just follow those creative instincts because I think everyone listening to this podcast has those creative instincts. It's whether you trust them, um, you know, and it can be a fine blend of still doing illustration jobs, but then, you know, you're, you know, for your, fine art practice it's like you're going to put the speech bubbles to the side for a minute and go do cut paper yeah I think there's something really nice about following that organic instinct and you know but it always hasn't been easy this is it's definitely easier right now but there was a time when I didn't I just did it when I was I probably should have been doing more job stuff but I just had to do one little thing here and there to get out of it like where I wasn't getting any work it was it was risky to to just make something that yeah. I might not that might not necessarily be marketable because I I'm you know what I'm terrible at knowing what people want so I just do what I want and <laughs> like I I did this one I don't know if I talked about this before but I did this one I was in a group show and I was like I'm gonna paint bras and underpants and they're everybody's gonna want these because <laughs> underpants and bras are so amazing and pretty much I'm the only one <laughs> I'm the only one who thinks that they're amazing. So pe- people did not want them. What? I would have wanted them. Well, you weren't at that show. <laughs> but it was one of those things where I just was like, this is going to be an instant hit and it's going to sell out. And it didn't. And so what did so you think after? I was just like, oh, I don't know. I was, <laughs> I was flummoxed. But, you, but didn't you, you kept going with bras and underpants. I mean, I kept... I kept painting them. Yeah. And I mean, I think that, I think people like them a little bit more and they like the wood cutout ones, but 
you know, I'm, I'm not a good judge of what is going to be the thing, but there are people who kind of know and have gotten pushed me in a different direct blue Q does that. They've pushed me in a direction because they're really good at getting kind of funny, good products out there. So hmm. it's good to have other people's eyeballs that tell you maybe this is a different direction. Try this. And then you see what happens, but I've had more things fail than succeed. Hmm. So I think you're so prolific too. That's the other thing, you know, you just keep making stuff. Yeah. I have um, a big, I have a lot of stuff. Yeah, well, I don't think you're physically capable of not making stuff. I know. I don't. I don't think so. I think. I, well, I can do a couple of days where I'm not. Gonna, I'm not going to make anything next week. <laughs> I, I I highly doubt that. I think there will be some weird doodle somewhere. Well, maybe I'll I'll draw. I'm going to only bring on my vacation. I'm only bringing a pen and a and a sketchbook. I'm not bring. I usually end up bringing work with me, and I'm not gonna. I'm okay. just going to bring. Actually, I'm just going to bring some pencils. Those pencils that. Um, Esther got in that store in Palm Springs. I got some oh, and I'm nice. going to try it. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, okay. That's good. You can do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the, the, um, segment, I think I sent it to you. This is what I want to call it. I want to call it ask Martha. It's like dear Abby, but not at all like dear Abby. All right. Although people could ask you relationship questions. That would be super entertaining too. I, I'm, I'd be the worst at that. <laughs> I would like to hear your answers. Um, okay, let's see. Um, oh, this might get you all fired up. I think you know this lady, B.A. Lampman. Oh, yeah, she's awesome. Yeah. She's a Canadian. Uh, I think she's a Canadian. She is, yeah. Um, okay, so she says, please ask Martha if she finds art making to be a soothing antidote or indeed an invigorating response to the pain she obviously feels at living in Trump's America. I feel her. <laughs> even though we're Canadian. Um, so do you find the art a soothing antidote? I, I do. And I don't, I do when I have, a, I have so much work to do that I forget that it exists. That's great. Yeah. But then, then, you know, you're like, you're done. You're like, Oh, you're all like happy. And you're like, the world is good. And then you're like, Oh, I just remembered who's president. <laughs> what about when you were working on the book that was all about, Fury, like, were you, were you constantly thinking about being mad? No, I didn't have to think about it. I just was. Yeah, that's so right. It was, that made it easy. It made the book easy. So, yeah. you know, it is, I mean, I think, you know, like I do a lot, of, I like to do some weird repetitive stuff that doesn't, isn't drawing or it's just, it's just like making shapes and gluing them down. And that's really soothing. And I love that. That's good for any kind of anxiety for me. And then sometimes the work, actually makes me madder because I'll start drawing, you know, I'll be listening to something and being really mad and I'll draw about it. And then I'm just like, Ugh. so it, it can be soothing and agitating at the same time. But tell people what you've been listening to in the background lately while you're working. Oh no. What have I been? Oh, I can't remember what I've been listening to. The impeachment hearings. No, I did no. Yesterday. Before that. <laughs> um, well, wait, I mean, lifetime movies. Like, Oh yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Hallmark Channel Lifetime Christmas movies. Yes. And I love them and I hate them at the same time. <laughs> they're amazing and they're horrible. Is that... <laughs> but then it's, do, do they soothe you on some level? On some level they do. But they also make, they, ag they agitate me because it's kind of like, they, they're, they're feeding that myth of like, oh, Prince Charming and all that stuff. 
<laughs> See, I'm going to get you all riled up again. I know. And I mean, but it's, you know, it's also like kind of like, oh, maybe I do want to marry a prince and from Fulgavia. <laughs> you know, it's always some weird Gavia, like a weird name. No, you just have to move back to a small town. Oh, yeah, and then I'll find true love and every, and I'll bake cookies and everything yeah. will be perfect. Open a bakery <laughs> and um, fall in love with someone in plaid. Oh, no, the guy who – the last one I saw was the guy who uh, – she goes back home and is opens a bakery. And then there's this, like, British guy who works for the big, big bakery conglomerate oh. across the street. And he steals her macaroon recipe and – they call the health department on it's just a big shindig, oh, not boy. shindig, a big to do. But anyway, she fights the man and wins. You and know then what she that sounds like to me. That sounds like you've got mail. Yeah. <laughs> the, but then she gets the man in the end, and they they live in ha- happy macaroon baking heaven. See, don't you want that, Martha? Don't you want happy macaroon? Life in a small, small town, Americana. You could have lobster rolls and macaroons every day. I would. I mean, I'm, I probably could do it in Maine, yeah. but Maine's a little bit creepy too. So you, it's it's moody and creepy at the same time being romantic and charming. What about Vermont? Well, my dad lives in Vermont, and Vermont is beautiful and it's a wonderful place. But it is snowy and muddy for more of the year than it is really nice, and it's not on the ocean. Oh, but I bet yeah. there's lots of dudes in plaid. I'm going to do England like that. I'm going to do Maine. All right. Okay. Well, I'll put it down. Martha will fall in love in Maine. Got it. Uh, I'm going to become a clamor. Oh, oh gosh. <laughs> I can I, see the poster plans, already. <laughs> clams right out of the, right out of there is really, it's like the, one of the best things I've ever had is clams that I clammed. My friend has a house near a place that has a good clamming ground, and he taught me how to clam. And it's backbreaking work, but it's delicious when you get the clams. That's what we're going to call the movie. He taught me how to clam. I'm going to write that down. He taught- I'm going to fall in love with a small town clammer. <laughs> That's right. Oh, dear God. Okay. I'm tired. You can tell I'm punchy. I, I know. I love it. I love it. See, I should have done this. We should have recorded it right after you came home from working on the mural, oh. and then you wouldn't have even remembered what you said. Ooh, I really like this question. This is from Helen McNeil. She says, if you were, this is for both of us. You can go first, if, or I will, if you can't think of it. If you were commissioning a portrait of yourself, who would be the artist you'd ask to create it? Oh. Well, I've got – all right, so did you meet George Ann Dean in, I, in Joshua Tree? I did, yes. I would have her do my portrait. I think she's one of my favorite painters of all time. And can you um, just descri- – I'm going to put her – I'll put her a sample of her work in the post, but can you just describe it a little bit? They're very they're, – they're very – they're surreal and they're dark, but they're beautiful. Um, they're not cutesy. They're feminine – um, I don't know. I can't, it's very, they're very, they're not, they're not cheerful. Like they're dark, but I don't know what it is. There's just something about them. I think she's, she's got a, a mind and a, and a, the way of painting that is, I, I'm always just like, I want to stare at them. Mm. So I think, I don't know what she, how she would paint me, but that'd I think be that'd, cool. That would be cool to see what she did. I know. She was I a really think, neat lady. She like her, I didn't talk to her much because it was busy in there, but her outfit was on point. 
There was a lot of plaid and patterns and there was a hat and I loved it. Yes. I would have her paint my portrait. I would also, I I would also, this is a person who's not alive anymore, but you know, those big, the, the, the Hilma F. Klimt. Yes. That everybody's been, I would be interested to see how she would paint a person. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I'd also have Esther Pearl Watson do my portrait. Has she ever, oh, she's painted you. I saw a painting of you in, um. Where did I you usually like a little character and, you know, like a little character in the, in the, you know, off in a field. <laughs> but there was that one of you guys when you just did your Texas um, road trip. Oh, I don't even remember. Yeah, it was like, it was in the. You was and like a Julie. Yeah. With the black jaw. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think I would have you do my oh. portrait. Although you kind of did, because on the back of um, the Big Jerk book, did. You, you did a little surprise me. Yeah. But my I hair did. has been cut since then. But still. Um, and I'd also like to see what Ashley Longshore would do, because there would be bedazzling, and I'm down with that. Oh, that'd be fun. Sparkles yeah. are good. Mm-hmm. Maybe my glasses could be like black sparklies. Like the pineapples. Yeah. Oh, our pineapple. See, Martha, that was perfect. Now I have an excuse to put it in the post. Yep. Um, I I posted that on Instagram the other day and, um, you guys, that was from a shop when we were in Joshua tree and we were looking around at this cool, it's called the end that shop. And, um, I saw those glasses and I said, uh, Martha, we're going to need to do a selfie with Mm -hmm. some weird glasses. And you actually bought your glasses. (laughs) I did. I haven't worn them around Philly yet because they're not very Philadelphia ish. No, they're very, but I got to do it. Yeah. They're very Palm Springsy. Um, okay. Well maybe those people will do our portraits one day. Yeah. Hint, well, hint. maybe not Hilma, because she's oh, dead. Yeah. Yes. Okay, we won't put that pressure on her. We won't put that pressure on her. Um, oh, this is interesting. I quite like this subject. Um, this is from Kristen Mitchell. She says, any thoughts on funny art being taken seriously by serious people and institutions? Do you hmm. see a shift in that, like, in the last I few think, years? I think there's a shift happening. I don't know. I'm not... I'm not I don't really pay attention to serious art. I mean, my art is, I mean, maybe my art is the serious art, the serious art, but just other people don't think of it that way, but I do. Right. But I had a teacher at Penn who I didn't, I mean, she was, she was really cool. I was, she wasn't a teacher. She was, she was like a visiting critic. Mm -hmm. So when you did your MFA. Yeah. Yeah. And my MFA at Penn was serious art, you know, like serious MFA. And um, her name's Nina Kachadorian, and she's really she she's been I see her on Facebook, and she's been talking about te- she teaches a class in humor and the visual arts, oh. and she, a lot of what she does is like events and installations and kind of they're all kind they all have, they're all steeped in humor, and she's a serious artist. So I think I think it's going to change because I think there's a lot of women and people doing art that's a little bit funny. Mm-hmm. I was just uh, going to ask. Um... Are there are there female artists in that mix? That she's... yeah, she, I don't I don't I don't know. I've been she started talking about it, and I was like, I'd like to hear what you have to say on this. But she, ha, you know, I haven't had a discussion. Right, right, yeah. I'm gonna look into that because um, I find I think there's a shift happening too. Like I've definitely seen it. Like because I've been I've had my blog for almost 11 years now, and um, I've definitely seen a lot more humor-based work showing up, and that it's tipping that where there's women in there too. Because what I noticed when I first started was that because I love funny art, and so I would write about it a lot, but it was all men. 
And there wasn't very, I think that's why I loved you instantly when I found you back then, because it was, um, and Esther too, like Esther's is kind of dark, but it's funny. And I just sort of found like, I was attracted to that because there isn't that much of it. And I don't know if I told you this story. I was telling Ashley, I think on the podcast that when I was in art school, I was doing some like humor based stuff. And the, um, prof, the one that told me I should never paint again, he <laughs> said, um, basically, um, you know, it's bad enough that you're a woman. Um, but if you try and do humor based work, you'll, you'll really never be taken seriously. Oh my God. Well, isn't that crazy? And so I, I believe that is a truth. And I just was like, Oh, okay. And, uh, stripped all the humor away. And I was like, okay, like, let's get angsty. And I'm so not an angsty person. And I couldn't, I was like, should I get addicted to something or like, what should I do here? You know? And, um, I, I just painted with a lot of black paint. Cause I'm like, I don't know, maybe that will trick them into thinking I'm sad. I don't know. Um, but I've just, yeah, I've noticed in the last, like maybe f three years or so, a lot more humor based work by women, which I really like. That's good. I mean, I did, I did, um, and in grad school, so they have like every term you have to do a final critique, a final project and you get critiqued and it's very intimidating. You put your work up and there's like a panel of people telling you what's wrong with it. And it's you have to, you know, defend your work and talk in an um, art manner about it. And it's horrifying. And the first the first semester or the, the first semester I did it, I did this big kind of. I don't even know what it was. It was not, it was like a, obviously a person who was like freaking out about being in grad school and they hated it. And so the next term I took that piece and I like cut it up into pieces. I destroyed it. And then I put duct tape all over it. And then I made, I, I cut out paper that said, you go girl on it. And I did hundreds of them. And that was my next terms installation. And I thought it was hilarious because I was being sarcastic. You know, I'm like, yeah. you go girl, you go girl. And, um, they didn't like it either, but it was, it was based in humor. And I think they thought that I was doing it. I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I think they thought that I was doing it really serious. Like I was cheering myself on, but I was kind of just being like oh, God. a snappy, just being a sarcastic, you know, come yeah. on. Yeah. Come on now. Well, I really like, I think I asked you in creative block, like that was our first sort of interaction. I hadn't met you when I sent that interview for you to be in creative block. And I was so excited. Martha Rich was going to be in there. And I known that you had just done your MFA. And I said something, I asked you, there's a question in there about uh, uh, how your MFA affected your work. And you said, it just made me more F-U-ish. <laughs> I was like, that's exactly what you wrote, F-U-ish. And I thought that is so funny because I can't picture you in like, grad school like where you have to lower your voice and say mfa i can't picture you in that environment uh, well it was it was just hard the first year the second year was much better because they had a they had some fancy artist was um you know gonna be the chair so it was like his year there to kind of see if it worked out and it didn't work out he didn't get the job as the chair and he was just like a it wasn't it wasn't fun it wasn't good and then the second year it was much better oh and that's I good really embraced it it was really nice I learned a lot of stuff I met some really amazing visiting artists and the teachers there were really great it was just that first year um the there was like a this guy's personality kind of just created a, a cloud of something yeah isn't it amazing how like one person can do that I know it's I mean it worked with some people but to me I couldn't I, I didn't I was like Ugh. Yeah, I I, that's that's what I'd be like. Good for you for going to the second year. Well, I don't. I'm. I didn't want to quit. I know, and I'm glad I didn't. 
I'm really glad I went. I, it definitely changed me. Just maybe not in the way that it's supposed to. <laughs> well, you've turned out just great, haven't you? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, my friend, Ron, this is my friend Rhonda Willer. She says, what do both of you do to feed your soul outside of your art practice? Well, I, can, I know this hands down, traveling with friends. Yeah. That feeds me. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's to the little town down the street and running a cabin or going somewhere frou-frou and um, travel is my favorite thing to do. Mm-hmm. To, I, I'm not very good at sitting in one place and doing the same thing over and, and when you travel, you just learn new things you can explore. And I think it's really good for the soul. Mm-hmm. And you do it in such a fun way. Like your eyes are just wide open from the get go. Like I always love following you um, when you're posting on Instagram, cause like you find the weirdest little stores or like crazy signs. Or even when I was with you, you're like, Oh, I gotta stop and take a picture of this weird sign. And like we pull off the road and so yeah. you can take a picture of a sign and then we keep going. And like, that's how to travel. Yeah. And it's also good to not, like I do, sometimes I have to not take pictures cause then you just got to go and maybe look at something and just put it in your head. So well, it's, yeah, it's, but I, I do love but, that yeah. you pull off the side of the road for a quick look. Yeah. <laughs> that's oh, like my, like that's our it. wine and rock store that we went to. I know wine and rocks. You can't not stop at a store that says wine and rocks. And Martha then, bought like, wine, and I bought rocks. So mission accomplished. And I, you know what? I put that bottle in my suitcase to take home because I'd ever we didn't we didn't end up drinking it, yeah. and it broke in my suitcase. No, I know I was bombed. That was what? an expensive bottle of wine. It broke. What about the whoop ass? Did the hot sauce make it? No, that's, that's, I got, I'm going to mail that to you. Don't worry. I bought a bottle of, um, is it called whoop ass? Yeah. <laughs> a bottle of hot sauce for Charlie that looked like a cowboy because, you know, as you do. And uh, and then I realized I had a, a uh, carry-on and I couldn't take that much liquid. Yep. Well, yep. I'm glad that didn't break in your suitcase. I would have no. felt really guilty. It did not break. But so you I've never travel- had anything break in my suitcase. No. I, I'm like, wow, something smells like wine. <laughs> what, is it me? Huh. <laughs> um, what so, do I do? I do outside of my art practice. Um, I well, I run, yeah. and I do Pilates, and I always joke that Pilates is like my church because I always feel I always feel like I'm about to cry when I finish because I just feel so good and stretched out and at peace because I don't have time to think. I think way too much. And actually running's bad for me for that because I spend the entire time just thinking about all the things and the stuff with the thing and the other stuff I need to do. But with Pilates, you can't because you're listening to the cues from the teacher and all you're doing is breathing. And by the end, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's the stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Stuff. I was supposed to go this morning and then – I'm sick again, Martha. I know. That's terrible. I know. I was sick September, October, November now. That's not good. I'm done. It's just, I've had it. Anyway. Um, yeah. So exercising really helps me. And then hanging out with my crew here. Yeah. They don't like yeah. you take yourself too seriously around here. Yes. Yeah, That's pretty, good to have. Yeah. They're pretty funny. <laughs> um, okay. Oh, this is, this is a bigger question. But that's okay. And then we'll go into funny, weird stuff. Okay. Can you speak to finding your audience, especially your art purchasing audience? I'd love to hear some tips and pointers beyond just keep trying things till you find it. Uh, <laughs> that's, no, that's Jennifer Kring. But I was like, Martha's going to say, 
keep trying things till you find it. <laughs> I know. I was like, I, that's literally how I found my audience, but it was actually, you know what? It wasn't just keep trying. It was, so I didn't have any work. I wasn't getting, you know, I was working here and there and having a regular job. Um, and that this is, this is a while ago, but I was like, okay, I have to, I, I'll get caught up in this other job if I don't keep pushing myself. And I, I assigned myself to do a painting a day for a year. And this is before all the, this is before you could, this is like the beginning of PayPal and you made your own website using dream. Is it Dreamweaver? Yeah, dream, yeah. Instagram didn't exist. Yeah. yeah. And I made my own blog and I posted a, a drawing every day. And because you have to do something every day, you don't have time to get precious and I started, that's where my humor started to come into things. I was just like, nah, nah, you know, and I did these little, um, just little things that were funny and some were really bad and some were, some were cool. And then I wrote a little funny blurb about how I got there. And I think what that happened was my personality came out. And so my natural personality, I don't know how people found it, but like when somebody would find it, it would, and it was like little, it was like, and they two t told two friends and so and on. told two friends. And yeah, they, like yeah. that hair, hair commercial yeah. uh, for the olds. Um, and, but and, it's true because you do have a very specific, I mean, all of us have a very specific um, way of making the art that we do. And because yours is quirky and weird, then the people who are also quirky, quirky yeah. and weird or who like that kind of thing are instantly going to gravitate to you. Yeah. I don't, I don't get the people who like more mainstream stuff who have, you know, pretty, like a pretty, like something pretty on their wall that matches the couch kind of thing. That And there's nothing wrong with that. I don't, I just don't people like. They're the not going to buy a pair of cutout wooden underwear from you. Exactly. Or a smash the patriarchy high heeled shoe. That's three feet long. Right. Specific people. So I know it's, it's a, it's annoying. I know that quite cause you want to know the answer and I, I wanted to know that answer and basically just being frustrated at not having anybody buy my stuff made me do more. And then eventually it, it did not happen overnight. It happened over 20 years, yeah. which is another annoying thing. But then there are people who will like hit it right then and bam, you know, yeah, people, but then those people, yeah. like those people, have to be careful too, because then they'll never evolve past that because they're afraid to lose that audience. Yeah, you know, I so kind of have that feeling too. But now I'm not afraid. Am I in? I don't know. Talk to me in a, you know a month when I don't, haven't gotten any work. I'll be <laughs> right now. I'm riding on a high, so I'm like, oh yeah, it's all easy. And then you know, in two weeks when I haven't gotten people calling me, I'll be like, oh, I think my career's over. More so, speech bubbles, quick. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. And I think that is just what that's purposely why I put this question in here because people want that answer. And I don't know that I don't think there's a formula. And even when you were talking at the beginning about like being very organic with your career, that you didn't have a five year plan, that you kind of just go with what feels good and, you know, keep evolving like that. Like, unfortunately, that's kind of how it works. You know, um, some people are super, super business minded. Like, um, Andy, for example, um, he just, I, I should do an Instagram post about this. He just started, um, a Skillshare class that's mm -hmm. about, um, finding your big break, like getting that big break. And it's really neat the way that he's done it. Like he's, 
it's basically like all these baby steps to put yourself in a position to be in a place to get your big break. Yes. And, um, but you have to be willing to do the baby steps. You can't just go, ta-da, and I'm at my big break. Like, it's just not going to happen. You know, like, your big break might not even seem like a big break at the at time. The time. Yes. It. And he mentions that, like he says, like you might not even realize until hindsight and be like, Oh my God, that was the moment that all these doors opened, but I didn't even realize. Yep. So I don't know, Jennifer, I know Jennifer, answer I your question. Give you the answer. I, I, but that's my, are the answers, annoying. Just, the answer is just keep trying things till you find it. <laughs> she was like, please don't, Please don't say. Don't say that. Or, but keep trying things that you are into, not what you think people are into. Yes. And actually, I was thinking that when you were talking about um, doing the things that you, like the giant shoe. Like, Nobody not... bought the giant shoe. No, but you know, like, you're not going to start like, doing. Like... <laughs> I'd buy the giant shoe. You don't, you don't start, you're not going to start doing stuff that matches over the couch just to sell. Like, you're still going to keep doing giant shoes. Probably. Yeah. So I think it's, it's that like finding your audience, like, and I, I feel like a broken record because I, I know that since the podcast has come back, I've talked about this two or three times, but, um, and so have people that like the guests that have been on, but you know, if you're weird, make weird art. And if you're quiet, make quiet art. Like you have to do, you have to like what Jennifer says, your audience. The key is your audience, like not the audience. You know, you have to find your people. Well, that's one good thing about the days now is that there's there's opportunities to get your work towards a more specific audience versus where you kind of had to rely on one mechanism to get your art out there to, you know, a mainstream audience, which is harder than to get like a small, a smaller niche. Yeah. Niche. I say I niche. All right. But is that because of like, you know, French Canadian descent? I don't know. Niche. niche audience. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I think that comes from, you know, Instagram. You'll find your people. Use the hashtags. You know, if it's weird art, I don't know. Hashtag it weird art. Keep an eye out on, on other weird art where, what do they hashtag it? Um, comment on there. Like a lot of the people I've been writing about lately, I find them because I notice that they comment on all my posts. I don't understand hashtags, so. Well, you can search by hashtags. Like for the work that I did in the Hey There show, I'd actually never been to Joshua Tree before, but I wanted to do a series about Joshua Tree. And so I was like, I know what I'll do. So I just go on Instagram and I just searched hashtag Joshua Tree. And anybody who has hashtagged their picture that comes up in a great big search scrolly thing. And then so I just scrolled all through it and I just started writing down all the things I saw. So like... Ombre sunset, first star in the sky, weird cactus, girl with perfect hair, um, and <laughs> hipster. And then that's how that series came about. And so it's really kind of neat when you're looking for, so if you went on there now and like searched hashtag weird art, I'm actually going to go do that. There's my post for the next month. Um, and you'll start to find those niches. All right, well, I should start figuring out how to do a hashtag. Yeah, I mean, ha- hashtag smash the patriarchy is what you need to do. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag big shoe. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag above the couch. See? Yeah, you're right. Come with me, Martha. I'll help you. Um, anyway, sorry, Jennifer, and everyone else that would hope that we were going to go step one. I know. But I will send, I will at the end of this put a link to, um, 
um, Andy's Skillshare thing because it was very interesting. I watched like the first half of it and I was like, this is really smart because they're all just tiny little pivot points and they're what you do naturally, Martha. And I think what a lot, like what a lot of people do naturally, but he is kind of calling it out to make you go, oh yeah, that is a moment to pay attention to. It's just mm. interesting. Just cool. interesting. Yeah. Um, all right. So this was a kind of a funny one. I never know how to, I think her name's Vivian, but her handle is Pentimento Studio. I always think it's Pimento, but it's Pentimento. Oh, Vivian Fleischer? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. You know her? Yeah. Oh, I don't know her, know her. I just know her handle because she's awesome and always comments and stuff. But I thought this was funny. She And I thought this would be a good lead into our weird trivia section. She said for each of us to name something we love and why and name something we don't love and why. Oh, well. I know the don't love, but, um, <laughs> all right. You know what I love? I, this is going to sound, I don't know, maybe corny. I love being in my fifties. Hmm. I like middle age. I love middle age, which is weird because I feel like I'm having, I'm free. Yeah. Well, I was going to say earlier when you were talking about, you know, sort of being okay with where you are, I was going to say it's because. You're not 20 anymore. Oh, it's weird. But I mean, I like, I like the energy and the old. Yep. Well, and you're working your, your, but I love it. your new I love hairdo it. too. Yeah. I don't have to dye my hair anymore. No, I don't have great. to. Well, the flabby part feeds right into what I love. Carbs. Carbs. <laughs> I, like I love carbs. You know why? They're delicious. <laughs> they make me feel cozy. The end. <laughs> okay, now what don't you love and why? Um, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't like injustice. I don't like injustice. That's what's bugging me right now. Just that um, everything is so, like the unfairness and the injustice in the world and the cruelty in the world. This is, I'm being big right here, but it yeah. really, I, I hate it. I and I hate that. People who are crappy keep getting pushed up higher and higher and higher, and they never they never have to pay. <laughs> I hate that too, a lot. You know what I mean? Like there's these all these qualified, super amazing people who are working really hard, and then there's these non super amazing people who get things and do bad things. And I know, and, and then there's no re repercussions. There's no justice, yeah. and that it's, it's that just burns me up. And I've never been a hater until 2016. Yeah, I hear you. I, yeah, I know it fills me with rage too, and I don't even live there. I know. Well, because it's hurting people all over the it world. It is. It is. Well, I that's just, gonna make that's very important and big. It's gonna make my thing that I don't like sound really dumb. I'm sorry. I've just been I've been watching the impeachment hearings this whole week and it's just I know I have to look away it's just I, I was saying I think to you guys the only way I can handle getting my news right now is through Seth Meyers because yeah. I need to laugh while I'm getting the information because otherwise I can't handle it yeah it's just so anxiety inducing and especially not being American I don't get a vote you I don't have a sure. I don't have a senator to call I don't have a congressman to call like I have no power. You just have to sit. Like the rest of the world has to sit and watch and it's horrifying. I know. So I have to have Seth deliver it 
<laughs> in a closer look and make me laugh because otherwise I, it's just, I, I'm then I'm straight to the carbs. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm mad in the, the wine. Yeah. Yeah. Dip the carbs into the wine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, the thing that I really don't like is washing lettuce. <laughs> That's a good one though. Do you have a, don't you have a salad spinner? Yeah, I hate it too. <laughs> I hate washing lettuce. I don't know what it is. It it really bothers it has always bothered me. That's so funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, if you want to go for like little things, I can't stand hearing strangers chew food. Oh yeah, That's so gross. <laughs> Like if you go into a restaurant, like my friends, I don't mind, but like, or well, actually even then, like if somebody's just like, ah, I hate that. Or breathing loud. I didn't chew gum in front of you, did I? Um, I don't, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't not, it depends. If you did, I didn't notice. Okay. So Greg always teases me that the, that the first, like when I first chew a piece of gum, well, it's such a, it's such a, you know, bounty of flavor right off the get go. And so apparently I am quite smacky about it. And he's always like, a lot of flavor going on over there. <laughs> I'm like, yes, it's an explosion of, you know, minty delight. And it drives him nuts. Yeah. I, people sounds are not fun. No, they're not. That's kind of gross. Especially if they're washing lettuce while eating. <laughs> well, actually, if they're washing my lettuce, I'd be happy because then I wouldn't be washing my lettuce. You're sitting there chewing your gum really loud. Yeah, yeah. Watching them wash my lettuce. Um, okay, Martha, it's starting to get quite dark in the pillow for it. And I'm starting to not be able to see the trivia question. So I'm going to hurry along here. This, oh, you're going to love this. Are you ready? Yeah. For the trivia round. Oh, boy. I feel like we need music there. Dun, dun, dun. Martha does trivia. Which animal is known to kill more people than plane crashes? Oh, my gosh. Known to kill more people than plane crashes. Yeah. And it's probably something dumb. Yeah. Not like a lion. It's probably like uh, your house cat. <laughs> Is your cat looking at you funny right now? <laughs> no, my cat's nice. Okay. Or a dog. Donkey. A, do a what? A donkey. A donkey? Yeah. Like getting kicked in the head. I guess it says donkeys. And I thought since there was a donkey on the cover of our book, I'm like, oh my God, I have to ask her that. I should have known. Yeah. So beware <laughs> the donkey. All right. Okay. Um, in the French vineyards, it's illegal to do what? Oh my God. <laughs> I don't know. Um, dance nude. No, I think they encourage that. <laughs> I guess it would in a vineyard. Yeah. In a French vineyard. Um Okay, I have one know. more guess. Um, pick food. Uh, I, I don't know. Smoke cigarettes. Land a flying saucer. Oh. <laughs> yeah, like I was going to get that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but they must have somewhere in their laws. You can't do that. Okay. You can't. We'll have to tell Esther. She can work it into her next painting. In France, you cannot land a flying saucer in the vineyard. All right. Good to know. Good. It's a good thing they have that rule. Yeah. Okay. Um, here's another legal ease for you. Um, okay. In Texas, it's illegal to put what on your neighbor's cow? <laughs> <laughs> I found all of these, especially for you, Martha. Oh, well, but I'm, I'm stumped. All I right, know. I like that. A cat on your neighbor's cow? I'm obsessed with cats right now. 
You probably can't. The answer is graffiti. <laughs> I don't know. What so the heck? I know. So don't so I don't know Maybe it's a like a bunch of cows and you can you know you're like a prankster instead of tipping them you you know you you uh get your spray paint out and yeah. tag them. This is in Texas that it's illegal. I don't know you might be able to put graffiti on your neighbor's cow in other states. Hmm. But I'd have to look into it. <laughs> I feel like it's a shame that your speech bubbles are on pause because I feel like I'm giving you pure gold. Well, I can I can go back to this and okay. write them down. Okay. Um oh now this one you have a better shot because those are all crazy and random and really just a good excuse for me to say something weird. But, okay, how many pairs of underwear do men buy in a year on average? Five. <laughs> An average of 3.4. Oh, that's close. That's not bad. <laughs> I gave them more credit. You sure did. Than... Greg, Greg said one. One? Yeah. One by one pair of underwear? Yeah. I was you gotta like, have rotation. I know. And he, I don't know why he said that. Maybe he was like, you know, thinking lower of his other male counterparts because he has a very nice underwear collection, which I'm sure he'll be horrified that I'm mentioning. But anywho. Um, the Jack Pouch collection. <laughs> he has patterns. He's got stripes and, you know, Hawaiian and stuff. I, but, I, I just, mean, I find the jockey pouch collection hilarious. Oh, God. Quite a pouch. Let's not go there, Martha. There's too many, yeah, there's too many pictures. Okay. And then the final one is a riddle. Oh, boy. I think you're going to get it. I have a cake and a table named after me, and I'm used all around the world. What am I? I have a cake and a table named after me? Yeah. Used around... and. Oh, I'm, you're, you're, my brain is mush. All right, wait. Okay, just think about it. Yeah. yeah, there's a cake. Don't Are you Googling? Coffee. Yes. Woo! Did I just hear you typing? I thought you were Googling no, me. I did not Google. Good job. Coffee. You did it. Well, and everybody drinks coffee. Yeah. You're right. You got it. I have one brain cell left. Yeah, and we used it on coffee. How perfect is that? Yep. That's it. That's all that I have. Those are the real questions, the ridiculous questions. I think that was a good first. Um, it's like Dear Abby, but not like Dear Abby at all. I think that's a good thing to do. Yeah. And so next time you come on, which is in like two months, we'll get okay. another round of questions from people. And um, and then I'll come up with some more insane trivia for you. And we'll do it again. I should come up with some tri trivia for you. Oh, damn. Okay, fine. I accept your challenge. All right, I'll get a couple questions. Plus and... one, plus one riddle, please. Okay, a riddle and two questions. Yeah, deal. All right, I'm not scared. <laughs> All right, you will go and finish your mural, and then go on vacation and chill out and have a lovely time and um, regroup, and then yeah, yeah. Then I'll be back to yeah. do more work. Yes, always more work. But no, I'm so glad that you were able to do this, and I'm so happy that we actually. Um, both Martha and I, when we travel, we tend to be crazy and do too much stuff. And that trip was so nice. We did some good chilling. Yeah, it was good. I liked not doing things. Me too. Even nice. after the show, people were going to go have dinner. And you and me and Esther were like, 
nope. And we went to the grocery store and got random got things. Terrible food. Yeah. And went home and we drew. I drew with you guys. That was like a career dream of mine was to draw with Martha Rich and Esther Pearl Watson. And I did it. It was very nice. And what did I draw? I can't remember. Chips. <laughs> oh, yeah. Your chips. <laughs> Short-term memory loss. And I don't smoke. I don't smoke things. No, you just inhale all those fumes during the muraling. I think. Maybe, well, my, I do some painting with acrylic paint. I'm not spray painting. I was trying to give you an excuse. Oh, <laughs> I think it's just because I'm really tired. Yeah, but I yes, think so you, have, too. you drew your chips. We had yeah. to buy a bunch of different chips. Well, it's just research as ref as reference. Yeah, and then I ate them just to make sure they tasted okay, and they did. They did. <laughs> hashtag carbs, hashtag weird art. Okay. Um, well, thank you so much, Miss Martha Rich. And um, have a lovely break. And um, I will talk to you when you're back in action. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Indeed. I'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye. <sighs> I could talk to Martha all day, every day. If you have more questions for us, keep an eye on Instagram and I'll do a post in a couple of months asking for more. Crazy trivia is also welcome. <laughs> As for this week's project, I'm just going to throw it back to the beginning of this episode and ask you to truly think about creating your own visual vocabulary. Make it an art piece if you want to, a great big painting or an, infogra or an infographic, a collage, a full sketchbook, or just a handwritten list. Might I suggest you also get a super strong coffee and some kind of chocolate-filled pastry because I find that helps in every situation. To see all of the work and to get the links that Martha and I talked about, pop over to my site, thejealouscurator.com, to see the full post. Thank you so much to Martha for answering all of my questions, even the really dumb trivia ones. Thanks to Thrive for supporting this episode, and of course, thank you for listening. Now, there will not actually be a new Art for Your Ear next weekend, as Saturday, November 30th, marks the one-year anniversary of losing my dad, and I have decided just to give myself a quiet weekend to feel close to him. I will be back the following weekend, though, with Esther Pearl Watson and a whole bunch of really weird stories from art history. It is going to be a good one, and I hope that you come back for that. I will see you then. <laughs>